G'day and welcome to the Hunter's Campfire Podcast. My name's Mark and along with good mate Ian, we're here to help with all things hunting. If you're looking to start but don't know where to begin, you want to make the most of your next trip away or even plan to hunt of a lifetime, we've got something for you. You'll find our podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon and plenty of others. And if you want more, head over to our YouTube channel. The Hunter's Campfire, where we have plenty of how-to and hunting videos along with the full video production of every podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe, and good hunting. Well, good evening, gents, um, and good evening, listeners. This is our first podcast back from the great adventure of the Northern Territory, uh, which by the time you hear this, you'll see lots of videos and hear lots of stories and... Um, See all sorts of really cool stuff and already and probably hear us talking about already going next year. So that's where we're at. And with us tonight, we have Jason Menzies from Liquid Antler. Now, um, how Jason ended up being here is that at the Toowoomba Outdoor Expo, we met up with Jason and we did a very short 15-minute podcast about... Um, Nothing in particular, and I think it involved a couple of drop-ins from various people. So it was actually a really fun thing to do. But at the end of it, I thought, you know, we should really probably sit down uh, more formally and actually uh, talk a little bit about liquid antler and about yourself and your hunting and where you're taking it. So that's the story tonight. So thank you very welcome, much, Jason. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yep, you're welcome. So before we get into it. Um, something we do, we do a little bit of a round table or a wrap up. Um, as I said, the biggest thing for us has been the Northern Territory trip and we've just got back. But um, if there's anything happening that you want to talk about, um, uh, by all means jump in. But to lead the way, um, I'll throw it over to Ian and John if they want to add anything to us or give us an update on anything that's happening. I'll quickly jump in and just say if you look above Ian's head, you can probably see um, something that came back from the Northern Territory. Um, and mm. whilst that was not one that we shot, that's one that we found. Um, we did shoot quite a few, very similar to that. Um, but it just shows that that was a very successful trip and a very enjoyable trip. And for myself, I'm finding it very hard to adjust back to normal life. All I think about is going back to the territory. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. I, um, um, I won't go on too much about, uh, NT, uh, much more than these fellas because there's so much to talk about and, we don't want to um, uh, take away from all of the great things we're talking about with Jace, but yes, hell of a trip. Really enjoyed it. And I had to drive back to Brisbane today to sit in a day of boardroom meetings. And um, all I could do is stare at photos on my phone as people were blah, 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 blah. So it was great. But um, yes, as Mark said, we'll get back there again. And uh, we've, we've learned a lot and we'll, we'll, um, we'll apply those learnings and have another good track at it. It should be fun. Nothing else yeah. that I can report on. It's well, pretty much all that's been on my mind. So, well, for me, I should mention that I'm wearing a hook and bone trading. Um, again, the Northern Territory uh, link was that I told Craig that I'd, I'd wear this around the camp and get a photo of it, but it never got below about a 1,000 degrees. It was quite too warm. It was supposed to be cooler at night, but no. it just didn't happen. It was yeah. like it didn't show up. Um and the final thing I'll say, and look, I can't help it. I'm going to talk about territory a little bit anyway. Um, I looked at a guided site 
some you know numbers about um, and I I did a quick add up of the animals that we took in terms of numbers and uh, and and the uh, and the and the um, and what a guided site would have charged us <laughs> and man oh man we were in the hundreds of thousands we we we, we made out like bandits you know we really you know, we robbed them you know I'm surprised that they didn't chase us out of town uh, we you know what was it eight donkeys nine pigs nice. ten yep. buffalo between six mm. guys. So yeah, we made out like bandits, and uh, it shows the power of you know if you can if you can if you can do it if you can work hard for it how a, a self guided hunt or at least um, a semi self guided hunt can be such a more rewarding um, and uh, financially as well as um, as well as from a uh, from an experience point of view because whilst we had some really great support in the Northern Territory primarily we were you know we we paid to access a, just a great big place and um, on away we went. Mm. So it was fantastic. Mm. Jason, what about what's going um, on in your world? Um, well, I suppose, first of all, I will explain the haircut so you can see I'm running a bit of a <laughs> bit of a mullet at the moment. So mm, um, yeah. I am doing the mullets for mental health uh, this month, so raising money for the Black Dog Institute. Cool. Um, they're an organisation mm-hmm. that researches into mental health um, here in Australia, so kind of uh, got behind them and I did it last year. I'm back on the bandwagon this year and seeing if I can improve on the on the old mullet there. So, but yeah. I reckon Ian, yeah. Ian should be jumping no. up that bandwagon, <laughs> mate. <laughs> <laughs> I did a, I did a, I did a shape for cure. Yeah. Hmm. Just never came back. <laughs> but yeah, that's the main thing I'm running at the moment and yeah, just got back from work. But um, before that, I did get away for a, I think three days um, west of Brisbane here and managed to get onto a few deer, which was nice. And, um, yeah, there was probably about 10 days ago, that was my my last trip that I got away on. Nice. Oh, oh well, that sounds like a great segue. So give us a bit of a rundown on that. So I'm trip. lucky enough or grateful enough to have some access uh, probably about three, three and a half hours west of, of Brisbane. And um, I get away with a mate each time, Ron. So we got away for three days and... Yeah, it was a great trip. We um, we shot two hinds, and we also managed a couple of dogs, you know, to help the the landholder out. So yeah, it was a great trip to fill the fill the freezer, and and um, yeah, it was, it was just a great time. Just you know, love just getting out in the bush there and, and spending time with a mate, and and also got some good footage which I put into a bit of a video, which yeah, it was good fun. I've got to say, mate, if you've just come back from that trip and you're talking about that now, and it's not even your latest YouTube clip. On uh, on your channel, yes, yeah, so that's the latest. The last one that came out was just the uh, the deer and wild dog one I put up. So uh, yeah, it was about ten oh, days. A, oh, I thought I noticed a paddock to plate one that followed that, but maybe that was around the other way. But yeah, I mean, you're, you're obviously no, that was, yeah. content. Yeah, trying to mate. Like I'm just mm. I'm trying to get out at least a couple of times a month, um, getting away, and just love getting out and trying to keep improving on my videos. And yeah, it's just I'm, I'm enjoying it. So. Just get out there and explore, and um, yeah, put a bit of a video together at the end, which is always nice to kind of remember the trip and um, you know show people mm. what we get up to. That's Very cool. Awesome. So, um, so if we kind of take a step back, so how about you give us a bit of a run for those who, who haven't heard the podcast from the tour? How about you give a bit of a, run, bit of a rundown, of, you know, of of your hunting journey and how how you got to be. Mr. Liquid Antler, or is it? Uh, is hang on, I just I might have 
guest your phone. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, we, we can run with that. I, mean, I, will, I, can, I accept that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sure, sure. Look, I wouldn't want to, I don't want to upset uh, uh, We have a bit of a today, conversation so. up in the territory, <laughs> yeah, so no. I guess that's where it's coming from. Mike. That's it. So I um, so originally raised in New Zealand, Hamilton or the North Island in New Zealand. No, no. Some well, Never. you're amazed. My accent has definitely uh, decreased, or not as uh, pronounced no, it as it was. <laughs> no, that's it. No, 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 no. no, no, no. <laughs> well, yeah. Anyway, I was raised in Hamilton, and a little bit of introduction with hunting with my dad. Um, a little bit of goat hunting, a little bit of you know firearms um, at the range, but not a hell of a lot. It, it wasn't more until uh, the university days where I met a couple guys and um, they kind of introduced me to deer stalking, and then from there I was, I was hooked. Um, every you know every weekend, every break at uni, where either south and the Kaimana was chasing seeker deer or chasing red deer through the Udawetas, and yeah, just I was probably hunting more than I was at uni during those times. But it was just yeah, just loved it. I just as soon as I got that first deer, I was just 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 sold on the on the old deer stalking. Um, but I pretty much finished university and then I was over here to Australia, so I work in, we're in the mining industry and I've always managed to juggle the kind of hunting side of things if it's getting back to New Zealand or, um, or yeah, I was, was trying to at least get back a couple of times a year to New Zealand to hunt. Um, but then I've also been fortunate, I have hunted up in the Northern Territory, um, down in Victoria and here in Queensland and New South Wales. So, um, yeah, it's just, I suppose, it's from the university days until today, and the, the passion's still there. I love it, and um, yeah, it's a big part of me. Mm. Not very good. How, sorry, Mark. Okay. So with... I was no, just you curious, um, your early days in Hamilton, um, you were hunting the Kaimais, I assume? Uh, yeah, yeah it's the Kaimais, <laughs> the Kaimanawas, the Udawetas, so everything, you yeah. know, in two or three hours of Hamilton, there was three or four species or five species of deer in pretty close proximity so I kind of cut my teeth and you know around the North Island there and um, yep. yeah just like I say every weekend every break we were planning trips and um, you know the, the, just the, the passion for it was high and we're, we're out exploring so it was great especially those early years you just love you know just, just checking out new areas and exploring yeah well, I think I, I hunted the other side of those mountains oh, yeah. from, the Bay, from the Bay of Plenty so um, Hamilton's on the other side of the Kaimai range from where I was brought up in the Bay of Plenty. So um, I hunted the eastern side, and yeah. I'm assuming you hunted the western side and probably climbed over it and all those good things. But yeah, it's uh, it, it's an interesting bit of country if you don't mind getting tangled up in Superjack. Yeah, it's pretty uh... nasty vines that um, turn you around and upside down and get you lost. Yeah, but, um, yeah, it's yeah, it's good country. I head back over that way from time to time to visit family and. Always like to take a stroll back up in the hills to remind myself how um, crazy it was back in my younger years as well. Yeah, that super jack and those kai mice is uh, it's, it's um it can be pretty nasty when you get caught up in that and you're trying to yeah. trying to battle your way through. Super jack, for those that don't know, is a vine that's probably about this, or maybe a little bit thicker than your thumb, mm-hmm. and it just grows in a tangled mess. Big long vines could be four or five meters long and all tangled up in themselves. And um, it's you know if you get caught up in that stuff, it, it's a real pain. And it gets slippery. It's actually edible as well. The green shoots on the end of it, but it's um, it's quite a challenge to to uh, to hunt through. You end up sticking to the tracks as much as possible. But um, so is it is it is it thorny no, or no, is it smooth. is it no it's smooth. It's okay. just thick and but you could one one of those vines would easily hold. Oh, really? Strong. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
So it's not like walking through Blackberry. No, no. nothing like that. It's just, it's just you just get tripped up, tangled up. Um, it's just hard stuff to get through. Um, I, I knew an old fellow that used to do a lot of book, bush walking, and when the ends of the vines were supple, he used to bend them over and tie a knot almost around. He had a special knot that he tied, and then he'd go back a year later and it had grown like that, and he'd cut it off at the base and use it as a walking stick. It would grow the handle. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's really fun. Oh, okay, stuff, wow. But, um, for the hunter that wants to go on the track, so it's a curse. Yeah. Uh, when, when, Jason, when did you leave New Zealand? Uh, it was about 2012. As you know, sorry, sorry, 2000, okay. 2009, 2010, I flew over to Western Australia, so I was pretty limited on the hunting aspects in Western Australia, but I was getting back every rut, um, you know, the March, April kind of time of the year to get back and either chase seeker or red around the North Island. Um, and I was over in Australia for about th- three years, I think it was. And then we decided, well, me and a mate, they're back in New Zealand, actually decided to throw in our jobs. And uh, we spent six months hunting the length of New Zealand. So that was back in 2012. Um, we started down on Stewart Island hunting mm-hmm. whitetail there. And then over the next six months, worked our way up the country. So into Fiordland, chasing Wapiti, chasing Tar Chamois up the West Coast, um, chasing Reds, and then... Um, into, into the North Island, you know, Samba, Rusa, Seeker, Fallow. Um, so yeah, did that over over a six month period, and we just lived out of a out of a ute and just drove around, parked up, you know, refuel, next spot, into the bush, two or three weeks, back out, refuel, go again. So um, you know, looking back now, I was pretty pretty stoked we took that opportunity. You know, we we had no responsibility, we were freedom, oh, and just 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 did it. So mm. um, yeah, it was a pretty incredible trip. And what an amazing um, country it is for the hunter to be able to hunt the length of the of both the islands, different species along the way, such a variety. Um, what an adventure! It's it's unreal. And would that, that would that be mm. yep. would that be public land? Yeah, all, all, pu- all public land. So seven species of deer, oh. public land right the way up the country. Um, all Department of Conservation uh, managed. And yeah, like I say, started Stewart Island hunting whitetail, then just worked our way up. We wanted to target all seven species of deer, plus tar, chamois, and goats. Um, and mm-hmm. yeah, we we managed to get you know we didn't shoot every um, species, but we managed to get them, um, you know, get eyes on on every species. And we still had a, a fair bit of success as well. So um, the one thing you're yeah, definitely in New Zealand, they're very lucky to have that that, that access and um, options available to, to to any hunter really. Mm. And um, what was the most elusive? Most elusive. Well, we both managed to get a, we both managed to get a white tail on Stuart Island, so that was great to tick that off off the list. Mm-hmm. Um, the the, the wapiti for me. Well, there's plenty of wapiti animals, but to find a bull that we would warrant shooting, that was the tough one. You could shoot plenty of animals. Yep. There was, you know, but to actually get a, get on eyes on a big bull. Um, we had one opportunity, one late evening. We saw a, a reasonable bull, but that we were in, and we were in um, fueling for three weeks. Um, that was before they had a very strict mm-hmm. kind of period on the ballot, like, like they do now. So we went in pre-ballot and actually managed to hunt for three weeks in fueling. And yeah, it was a pretty pretty incredible uh, part of the part of the six months. Mm. I know they have guidelines on the wapiti. Um, back then, when you were hunting it, you're saying it wasn't a strict pre-season. Mm-hmm. Were the guidelines simply guidelines, or you know, or were you? I mean, you obviously be frowned upon for taking animals that weren't on their, on their okay to shoot list or size or, or gender. But what, what's the what's the um, the deal with that now? 
So back then it was, well, what, it is, as it is now, they closed the blocks pre-ballot. So back then you could access the blocks before the ballot. And there's still no kind of limit on what you can shoot. It's definitely frowned upon if you take, you're shooting young bulls. But at the end of the day, you're still hunting public land. But, you know, the plan and the goal is to build that mm. herd or to help develop the herd. So they've been culling the red deer out and trying to manage the few, um, the wapiti deer. And to see, you know, those big bulls grow, people have to, you know, not pull the trigger. So there isn't real, there isn't definitely isn't real, uh, you know, you can't not shoot something, but it's really kind of pushing that aspect to build the or grow or improve the, the field and herd. The big bull, the, the young bulls have to be left to grow. And it's it's commendable, isn't it? Really, that the the hunting mm. public over there respect that those guidelines, even though they don't have to. I mean, given that it's a ballot, and you know, someone like myself, Mark, John, I, we could stick in for the ballot, and we could head over and hunt Wapiti. It might be the only opportunity you ever get, and you see a subpar bull, and not pull the trigger on it because it's outside the guidelines. I know that's the expectation when you go into it, but I think it's incredible that everyone gets behind that and the the quality of that herd has grown so well. Um, it definitely has improved, but sorry, but yeah, the, the, there's definitely um they, they ask that there are still a lot of young bulls shot each year though. Um, I think it is decreasing, uh, but like you say, do people do travel a long way to go hunt the the wapiti mm. and a lot of money time and that is invested and you know young bulls are still getting shot um yeah. so hopefully the kind of um you know people kind of do ease up and and we continue to see you know there's some cracker bulls shot this year i did have a ballot um but unfortunately with uh, everything that was going on at the time i wasn't able to travel over there so i had to hand my ballot in my mate and um another mate of mine went in and um they saw quite a number of number of good bulls but nothing that they warranted to pull the trigger on. Well done. Yeah, I suppose that's got a lot to do with with um, exposure too. You know, we've had this conversation a number of times in different forums. Is that if you're able to do that, so you're able to see, go in a place and see lots of animals, and you're able to to repeat that, you know, every season or whatever it is. You know, you start to build the, that that kind of, I suppose, feeling that it doesn't have to be this. This is not my one and only chance. I mean, you know, you, I feel for guys who get one. You know, who hunt twice a year, and, you know, and and just go, well, if I don't take anything, that that that's a, a skunk this whole year out. But being able to getting there, as you said, getting getting access to a to a, to you know, being able to to place your name in a ballot having a good chance of getting something out of that ballot, you know. So, I mean, like some of those ballot systems you hear about in the States, you know, you mm. guys put your name in yeah. for 20 years and they draw it and they go, and that's it, yeah. this is it, this is it, this is your chance. And you can understand why you go, okay, I'm going to shoot something. Um, so that I think that's really commendable how that system works. So it not only allows for the for people to participate, but it allows them to participate on an ongoing basis. And I think that's what builds that concept of, I don't have to take something this time. There is a next time. There is a benefit. There is a, there is a future in this. It's not this one-off. And, and the positive thing I've also seen from it is how the Fieldland <laughs> Wapiti Foundation and the Department of Conservation, who kind of manage the public land, have kind of come together and been able to, 
come up with a strategy that, that does mm. seem to be working. You go in there and um, there is a lot of wapiti type animals in, in the in the you know in the head basins in the in the in the area. Um, we've still seen a few reds you know ten years ago, but there's definitely with all the aerial culling they have done through the area, they've they've really been able to um, help manage that manage the herd, which I think is just incredible to see see them all, you know both teams come together and, and come up mm. with a plan. So with the aerial culling, are they targeting sure, red only, to... or are they targeting? Uh, well, predominantly well. reds, but they were, I believe, also culling some cows because the, the female wapi numbers were getting too high for the area. So they were taking some cows okay. out of the area as well. Um, I see recently they were also using some of the venison. They made it into a bit of a, a venison patty, which they were selling through Burger Fuel, which is a, um, a burger franchise through New Zealand. So it was using the funds from that to, mm. to also pump more money back into Fuel and uh, Wapiti Foundation and, and continue to you know improve the, improve the herd. Well, that's awesome. I mean, that that shows what happens when you you actually embrace a species, and and you know we don't have that in Australia. You don't see anyone embracing, you know, what what I mean, potentially samba, but not mm. to the extent of wapiti. You know, we don't have that draw system, the ballot system. We don't have, you know, burger urge or whatever putting out venison burgers because it's all frowned upon. And I think that's where Australia really needs to change. They really need to embrace that we have this this fantastic. Um, source of, of protein and meat out there, um, and it can be, if it's recognised, it can be really harvested and used to its best. Um, and it's awesome that, you know, New Zealand are doing that, but Australia could really learn something from that. Oh, most definitely. Uh, even if, if, even if, I mean, I love that the idea you, have, you see in the States where, you know, you can donate oh, yeah. mm. the meat. Mm. You've got the food kitchens, fantastic. things I mean, and all that. You, you know, literally, you just kind of go, okay, I'm going to shoot. I'm up on the block. I'm going to shoot this red. I'm going to take it to local town. It's going to donate it, and people who you know who who could benefit from it are going to get it. I just think that that's is awesome. such a yeah. such yeah. a good yeah. idea. You know, <laughs> I, I I don't really care about myself. I'm you know it's it in in such you know that it, you know being able to butcher it yourself or not getting it. You know, I'm not going. It's not going to be an issue. But you, if you could give that to someone who's going to actually benefit from benefit from that, I think it's just a fantastic idea. Mm. So leaving um, Wapiti Central, what was next on the species list heading up the island? Uh, Taran Shemi, so that's up on the west coast. So uh, pretty, once again, very cool country. Like this was this trip was actually my first time in the South Island, so I'd been like a North Island hobbit. So it was kind of time to head into the South Island. So over the six months, we I think we spent about three and a half months in the South Island um, in total. So we were into yeah, pretty much Taran Shemi country, um, and yeah, just on the west coast there. Um, and the epic country, just you know, just stunning, just absolutely stunning. Mm. Uh, some of those those valleys and that, and, and punching up into the tops, and uh, yeah, just just magical. Yeah, and you managed to get both of those. Um, I only managed a tar, well, a multiple tar. My mate JB, Lovely. who was doing the trip with, he managed um, a tar and chamois as well. Um, my tar, my tar, I think the biggest one was about ten and a half inch, and he actually shot a twelve and something um inch so he got a, a cracker so he, he was very happy god you guys must have been on a high about then you'd seen whops you'd shot white tail and mm. bam 12 inch chamois. oh mate it was uh, yeah, it was all it was all going well and um we didn't have any work no commitments and just living living the good life so <laughs> it was great oh well wives and kids at that point no nah, nothing not, none of that just uh free reign just <laughs> going for it that's uh that is a story. So, uh, so um, after um, then, it was, then it was on to reds. Um, by that time, because we started the trip 
merged mid to late Jan, so that was um, down the White Tail and by the rut for the Raw, where we wanted to chase Reds. Oh, yeah. So that was once again down the West Coast. Uh, we we're just constantly moving, trying different spots. Um, I shot a quite a reasonable ten, so five by five red, um, and we got yeah mm. quite a few others, and we were actually giving the meat away. So like you were saying before, we were rocking up to you know the, um, the local. Um, you know, fuel station and things and and dishing out meat because we we had more than we needed so um that was a pretty cool opportunity like people were just you know offloading venison to them and which was well received and yeah we spent pretty much three weeks solid just chasing red deer around the around the hills um and then from there it was fallow um through the greenstone um oh. and what else was after that actually it's been, been a few years ago now but but then we wanted to get back up into the North Island for April um, to hit the Seeker. We're big Seeker hunters, so it was. We spent about mm. a month uh, chasing yep. Seeker in the Kaimana Wizard Car Wickers up in the North Island. Unreal. So that so that's um, Japanese too. Yeah, yeah, they're ama- yeah. amazing, so hunted, amazing, elusive deer to hunt. They're uh, probably my favourite. Yeah, I've hunted Japanese Seeker in the uh, southwest oh, island. Yes. Um, there's some huge populations. I think Mark, have you seen Seeker mm, down there? There is. I've seen the herd. So I've seen one of the biggest seeker herds. It was uh, so when I was hunting uh, Muntjac down the bottom of the hill was a red farm, and then kind of like two, three kilometres over there was another property, and it it held one of the biggest seeker herds in in England, and uh, we could see it. Yeah, so I I hunted I mean, on a we did, you know, it, it didn't get any, you know, it was a couple of k's away, so it didn't get any real clarity. But you could sit there, they're all mm. down there. Yeah, the property I hunted on, he um he had I think fifteen thousand acres, and it it bordered on um a, a huge military block, um and so mm. the all the hinds used to sit. Well, sorry, he had the hinds on his property, but all the stags used to go into the military block block and where they weren't weren't really shot. And then in during the rut, they would all come come onto his block. To, to chase the Hans and he shot numerous gold medals, bronze medals, silver medals every year. That was his draw card. And if we were down there hunting seeker, I was allowed to shoot a cull or I could shoot a Han, but don't you dare pull the trigger <laughs> on one of those big stags or you're going to be getting that checkbook out because it's big money. That's right. Um, but no, they're such a beautiful animal. They've got such a presence. They sit there and they've got their neck puffed mm. out. And mm. um, I've actually got, if you can see up there, that's a, that's a seeker. But that's a, uh, I think a Manchurian seeker. I think that one is. That's not a Japanese. I've got a Japanese seeker in the, in the other room. Um, that was a another. So there's a few different seeker species, which is why I asked the question. But yeah, that's a Manchurian. I think that. I one. think we actually so. do have, because it's definitely got a Manchurian seeker in New Zealand. But I'm not sure if it's just all interbred mm. now and how exactly what the original Possibly. original yeah. um, ones they released were. But yeah. Because I think you get the Manchurian, Japanese, and the Pierre Davids, I think it is, or something okay. like that. It's the three that you get in England. The Pierre Davids, I think it's Pierre David, are the really, really big ones. Uh, Manchurian are much thicker, and then you've got your typical Japanese. Um, I think those are the three that you get. There's another Pierre. Is it Pierre St. David Pierre, or isn't it? St. David Pierre or something like that? I don't know which way around it is. I haven't yeah. seen the Seeker in a while, but yeah, there is something I love like Seeker and so, yeah. they're so good to eat. They are beautiful eating. Yeah. Uh, for, for a number of years, Seeker was pretty much everything that I shot because I had uh, my friend who was on that 15,000 acre block. Um, so I go down numerous times a year and chasing Seeker. Um, and then he had Road as well, but then the Munchak came in as well. Mm. So, but I love Seeker. Yeah. Quick pause for one sec. Um, John, can you stop and restart your video for me? 
Yeah, well. I haven't had video from you or Jason the whole time. I'm just wondering whether it's a recent start. Oh, wow. But your video will kick it back into life. I restarted mine. And you are black screen. Might be coming. Chase, can you do the same, mate? Um, how do I do that? It'll be uh, uh, down the bottom. Just, there's a cam. Oh, yep. Yeah. Yeah. cam, just stop it. Yeah. Yeah, there's a little cam. Otherwise, we'll get the feed. Oh, no, it's fine. It's just it easier through. to talk to your faces than it is to, you know, I've got Yeah, absolutely. Now. Yeah. All good. Carry on. That's all right. Cool. Um, where was I? Oh, so I had another question about the New Zealand hunting. And because a lot of what we do with the podcast is around helping other people mm-hmm. think about experiences that they can go on or plan for different things. You've obviously gone back and forth from Australia to New Zealand a lot of times. You've already got the experience over there, so it's easy for you to do it. Um, I've managed a couple of trips back there since being here. I didn't find it a difficult thing to plan. What's some advice you would give to a, a new, well, not a new hunter, but an Australian hunter that's not experienced New Zealand before, how to go about planning a trip over there, who you might talk to, how you might pick a spot, a species, things like that. What's your what's your, your general advice to people, Joe? Well, I suppose, first of all, um, to actually take your firearms license and hunt over in New Zealand, it's not that hard. Um, you have to apply for an international firearms license through uh, the New Zealand Police, which is an online thing that you can complete. There is a bit of a lead time, so I think you do need to allow four to six weeks before your trip. But it's not actually that hard to actually get your firearm from Australia into New Zealand and get a license that allows you to hunt public land. So that's one aspect of it. When you actually land in New Zealand, you also need on top of that a permit from the Department of Conservation to hunt a certain area of public land. But once again, super easy, jump online and you're good to go. So I think they're probably the two biggest hurdles that probably people are not aware of or how easy it is actually to get across there. And then once you've got those two ticked off the box, there's just so much land to hunt. And that's probably the, the hardest part is actually trying to narrow down what you want to hunt, where you want to hunt them. Um, but it's, it's, it's relatively simple to jump online. There's plenty of map um, mapping you know, programs with uh, New Zealand Topo, Topo Maps, as well as I think even the Department of Conservation now has a an online kind of uh, mapping system or mapping software. Um, and it's Lens, just, isn't it? Yeah. Lens map. Yep. yep. And it's just a matter of plotting that up, seeing where the public land boundaries are, and um, trying to narrow down what species you you want to target. Yeah, right. I know they used <laughs> to yep. make a book, a Hunt New Zealand book, so I've got it. I've got it. You know, it was yeah, like my mate's dad was the one that, um, uh, Dan Erie, my mate's dad was the one that brought that out. And <clears> it was like a spot X, yeah, spot X for all the hunting oh, wow. and the hunting and fishing version. Mm. And, and it was quite a good, it was actually yeah. a really um, informative kind of breakdown of the different areas and, and what, you know, what species of uh, deer or game you would have come across um, throughout New Zealand, which was, yeah, definitely very, very worthwhile. So if you can get your hands on a copy of that, it's kind of helps point you in the right direction of, of where you might want to target for a, for a certain species. But, it, yeah, yeah. I literally yeah. got it here on the bookshelf somewhere. You know, oh. I got it years ago. You know, yeah. I, I just love this. <laughs> exactly. It's like it's a shopping list. But um, it's it's it's, it's actually just super simple to, to get over there. The um, mm. it's, yeah, so much land to, to hunt. So it's just probably just oh. you know, just choosing what you want to chase and and trying to narrow down an area. Yeah, and you... one question. You're right. Sorry, mate. One question I've always had about that is, what about storage? You know, because um, how do you go around with, you know, 
traveling and storing. So the part of that, because I just had to do it recently when I went back to New Zealand in April to chase Seeker, they do state on the, the they've updated it slightly since I last did it, and they do actually say, you know, where are you going to store your firearm? If you've got a hotel booked, just put as yeah. long as it's in a locked, secure room for your night, whatever. Well, that's that's going to be be fine. If if you have any problems, give the New Zealand Police a call. They're honestly super handy or helpful. Mm. The um the firearms division, give them a call, kind of explain your situation, and, and they'd be more than willing to help out. There, um, I had a couple issues or a couple questions I wanted to run past them, and just got on the phone and had a chat to them, and they were just you know, helped me out and, and made it quite quite enjoyable, which was surprising. Yeah, they are good. My last trip over there, the rules had just changed and they didn't quite have a handle on some of the finer points of the detail. Mm -hmm. um, the deal, the, the issue we struck was we were landing in Christchurch, we were jumping in a hire car, we were going straight to a helipad and we were flying straight to the mountains. Mm -hmm. So where was my address? Yep. I said such and such a mm -hmm. valley up in um, Hanmer Springs somewhere. They're like, okay, um, You've actually got to have a sponsored New Zealand license holder. Like if you, we was we had to list an address where our firearms would be stored, and that address had to have a licensed firearms holder on it. Okay. I don't know if that's changed again. Mm -hmm. uh, if you were recently over there, you may not have had to do that. So we had to pretty quickly jump on the phone to an uncle and say, "Hey, we're doing this," and he was like, "Yep, no worries," and they were happy with that, even though they knew that we weren't in the end going to be staying there because we were going up the hills, but to satisfy the pay point, that's what needed to be done. On a different trip, yeah. we, we, um, we enlisted a guide, a safety backstop guide, basically, um, who came up with us, and we put his residence down as our listed firearms holder sponsor, if you like. So um, was that not a thing for you on this recent trip? Well, I, it was actually, but my, I always put my parents' place down with Dad, you know, being a firearms holder. Um, but... Yeah, yeah, I don't know what you do in that situation, but like I say, just give the firearms team a, a call and, and explain the situation and see if there's any any way to, you know, what, what they recommend to get around that, that, that issue mm. if you don't know anyone mm. over in New Zealand. Yeah. Um, did you predominantly stay camping style or did you utilise the huts? A uh, bit of both. So definitely a lot of fly camping, a little backpack hunting, but we'd use the, um, the huts, you know, to try and base our trips around, especially with the weather. Um, as, as you know, in, in New Zealand, it can change pretty quickly, and especially down the Southern Alps there, uh, you want to have, you know, that's probably another thing for anyone that's thinking about heading over to New Zealand. It's um, definitely very unpredictable, so go prepared. Have have your gear, have good gear, and be ready to, to really tough it out. So we, we definitely used a, a, both the huts, which are an amazing resource out in the backcountry there, um, but then a lot of just fly camping with, with the tent as well. Mm. Excellent. And it's a great hut system, okay. isn't it? For those that don't understand it, do you want to give that a bit of a yeah, description? Yeah, definitely. So there's right through the public land throughout New Zealand, the Department of Conservation um, managed public huts. So pretty much it's just a, a hut network that were pretty much old um, deer culling huts back from the 1970s, 60s, 70s, 80s. Um, so there's a, some amazing huts that are dotted right through the bush. Um, there is like a, a, a nightly fee that you pay, which is relatively af affordable. Um, and but yeah, some of the huts and the character and the locations are just uh, pretty, pretty, pretty bloody magical. Some history in there, oh, there, there is. They're just you know, you read some of the old Thomas books, and um, the huts are still there that you can go and go and visit. And you know, they talk about the valleys they're hunting, and and um, then you know, you're hunting the same valley and, and staying in the same hut that 
a lot of these old guys and old timers were, you know, shooting hundreds of deer out of these valleys, and, and you know, you're kind of you're there and, and amongst it. So yeah, it's, it's definitely uh, very cool, even just for the hut aspect. I, I enjoy just checking out the huts, traveling around, and, and just um, you know, checking out the huts around around the country. Mm. Do you, have, do you have to pre-book them, or can you just rock up into a hut and then post-pay? So the majority of huts we're staying at are the really kind of remote ones. Um, anything around the Great Walks, etc., you've got to book, but we were trying to push out, you know, we we tried to be more remote. You're not so, hunting them. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so we're, we're, you didn't have yeah, to book those ones. You just yeah. rock up first in, best dress kind of thing, and, and um, pull up a bunk, and, and um, yeah, it was, it was very good. Yeah, my experience... And did you ever... Did you, did you ever... Was there ever other people yeah, definitely. There, like, it... you often run, you yeah. know run into trampers, hunters, um, but you kind of have to be prepared as well. So if you can't just you bank yourself, you're definitely going to have a hut available or a, or a bed available in the hut. Um, but like yeah. I said, the majority of the ones we were trying to push to were a little bit more remote. Um, but it didn't mean you weren't going to run into other people. They are well used, and which is good to see people out there enjoying them and and, and using them. Yeah, there wouldn't have been a, a moment that went past that you were wandering those tracks on your way to a hunt, wondering whether the uh, Swedish backpackers, exactly, uh, exactly. <laughs> girls tour of New Zealand had rocked up just the night before. Yeah, always, always the yeah. dream, but never the reality. <laughs> yeah. Those Swedish girls just waiting for advice yeah. to come out in yeah. four months to turn exactly. up. Exactly, it wasn't, no, like, it wasn't pretty. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Oh, right. oh, he's finally here. Now in my dream. Um, in my experience, uh, John, to answer your question in a different way, is um, the, the huts were you're you, you paid for a night's usage of a hut. It's like a token, basically. You'd be used in mm. one hut or another hut, and then you didn't have to really list it. But um, right. you only had to give way to the department staff. So if they rocked up in the middle of the night and demanded a bed, then you were supposed to give away to them because they were their huts first. But we certainly hunkered down from stalls yeah. and like three-man bivvies with ten people, everyone just sort of waiting it out. But still, it's all pretty good up there. Mm. It's just awesome that it's there and available. That's just, yeah, amazing. Yeah, they're um, yeah. definitely a great asset to the country. Yeah. And they're, and they're um, yeah, like I say, there's just some of the spots that you get to and there's a beautiful hut overlooking a valley. It's just, oh, yeah, it's so good. Yeah, well, I guess that's the benefit of flying in with a helicopter, all of the materials. you just got to go up there on the hill somewhere and build a hut, fellas, and they, they get to choose the best vista because there's nothing else up there, right? So, exactly. Uh, opposition. Yeah, pretty good. Um, so moving out of New Zealand and into Australia, obviously a lot of your recent work on liquid antler has been around... Um, starting to explore state forest hunting in New South Wales. You've got a lot of other stuff up there as well, but it's a fairly new venture for you guys, isn't it, to um, to start taking on state forest? Yeah, definitely. I think I got my R licence just over a year ago, so um, decided to start venturing down to New South Wales. I think I've done four, I think, state forests so far, with not a lot of luck, to be honest. Um, I am building my knowledge and understanding of the state forests around, um, well, relatively close to as close to brisbane um and then kind of pushing pushing south um i think yeah my last my last trip i did was to sticks state forest which we talked about briefly on on the podcast last time and spent four days just exploring yeah. that just magical spot there was um, actually a beautiful state forest and i yeah it was a stunning stunning place so and i'm actually booked in for three days next week to head to butterleaf so i'm gonna go check out butterleaf which um yeah have a look see and see what i can have a find there we might share some spots with you yep. uh, 
off air. Mm-hmm. Um, there's certainly deer down there. Butterleaf, yeah, there is. It's, yep. it's tough hunting though. It's um, it's uh, and it gets. It's one of those forests that the further you go in, the thicker it gets. Um, it can be a bit deceiving up the front. It's it's reasonable up the front, and it just gets worse and worse as you push in in the back, and then it hits the the national. There's a pretty, if I remember correctly, there's a pretty porous boundary around there for the national park. It, you don't know you can, you know, it's one of those you would only know it yeah. via GPS. There's no real indicator that you're pushing in a national park. Yeah, so sticks it looks really great, um, but it's it's it's. It looks yeah. better fishing it's, though. Than um, anything else. Once again, it's pretty thick and steep country. Um, they have had the fires through, yeah. so some of the regrowth in the areas is pretty pretty gnarly. Uh, but there were some more open, more recent fires, which was still the, the fresh growth was coming through. I think there w- there's definitely potential for deer in there, um, but big park, pretty steep. You're going to have to definitely spend your time nothing out where the deer are um and i was only there for four days it's more just about covering country and getting a feel for it but you have to put a fair bit of time i believe just to really dial in on on where those deer are because i don't think there'd be too many in there from from what i've heard but good going country yeah look yeah yep Mm. i don't i yeah i had a look on the on the harvest report and there weren't many goats or deer recorded on the harvest report doesn't mean they've not been shot but um yeah they're well, there wasn't anything too exciting on the on the harvest return for the for the area, but I was still keen just to check it out. It looked like a beautiful spot, and and it was. Yeah, look, that whole it's funny that eastern side of the New England is 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 tough hunting, mostly down to sticks. Then, of course, technically Nundle's part of that side too, but that's a very different. But certainly on the on that higher side. That it, it's just that hinterland country, and it's very, very, you know, it's well. There's a thing called waterfall way, for instance. You travel along, you know, it's just it's gorge country all the way along, and there's there's you know joy flights out of Armadale where they go through mm. the gorge country, and that's mm. exactly where they go through. So it is very, very tough country, and um, though it does hold deer, yeah. it's just that they're really hard to find. But as um yeah, but probably try and get some. You oh, have yeah. to try and get some trail cameras up, and and just really try and work out what, what's going mm. on there, and. Yeah, there's like I said, it's super super gnarly on one side. You pretty much just drop straight off. Um, the yeah. other side I was predominantly hunting. There was definitely some beautiful area. Just wasn't seeing the sign. Just trying to cover as much country as I could. Um, but a couple of feral cats which I saw, but didn't get the opportunity to shoot those. So they're just too quick. Um, but yeah, it, just some of the camping spots there though were just just magical. Just right by the Styx River there, flowing through, and yeah, just yeah, very nice. Yeah, there, I've seen that video where mm. you're along that campground there, or you know where you camped up along the river there. That, that mm. is, that's some, that's some very picturesque country you yeah, found there no, for it's, a camp. It's definitely nice. Sure. No, did it you was have just, the fish? Um, I did take my rod, but then once I got there, the signs was just after the long weekend, and from my understanding, from what the signs were saying, that the, the season had closed. So um, I didn't get a chance oh, to okay. fish, but definitely be worthwhile. I could see plenty of trout in there, so it'd be definitely a uh, a good spot to hit when the when the season's open. Yeah. <laughs> oh, did you see the trout? Did you? Oh, nice. Uh, again, I've heard very good reports of trout in there, but um, I, I haven't had a chance mm. to get the sticks. Oh, myself. I definitely recommend the spot, even just for a great camping and you know time to get away with the family, or whatever. Mm. It's, a, it's a beautiful spot for it. So what other forests have, have you looked at then, uh, other than sticks? Baruch, Bunu, and 
that's probably actually I've actually done, only done the three, so this will be my fourth this time. Checking out um, Butterleaf. Um, tried to get myself into Severn, as we all know, it's super busy at the moment. It's impossible. <laughs> impossible. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Man, I wish we, I wish we had shares. I wish we had shares. I jumped, I jumped on there this week. We we, 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 we did that badly, you know. We should, we did that really badly. We should have said like, if you want to get a Severn, just you know. Drop us, you know, two dollars a dollar ninety nine <laughs> per time. We'd be millionaires. Yeah, it's, it yeah. seems like that. It's now become the place. Yeah, to I be. jumped on there this week actually, thinking, oh, I'll take the family down for a quick weekend. We just bought a camper trailer, and I was going to give it a test out. And I thought I'll take the family to Savoon. We'll give a camper trailer a test. I can do a quick hunt. No, you can't no. get in. It's impossible. <laughs> it's impossible. Well, you can still go. You can still go down there and and camp at um, uh, what's name? Um, the weir. Savoon. Uh, what do they call it? Yeah, but I can't go hunting. You can drive through hunting. it. You can drive through well, it. You haven't had enough hunting in the last fortnight, John. <laughs> oh, I thought if I could take the family and get a hunt, then that would work out well. Give the camper a quick test out before we go to Fraser. My but wife would see straight happen. through that. <laughs> You're just going to go hunting. Getting... I know what's going on here. <laughs> you see, take take yeah. the family with, and then I can get away with it. Yeah. Well, we're going on a family road trip, and we just happen to be going past Pillagot. Well, well so, planned. That's just the moment. <laughs> yeah. I can't help it where Dubbo is. I Jason, can't help where Dubbo is. Put, it's just put the, Pillager in the summer on your list. Mm-hmm. Worth a look, is it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, Pillager. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Go yeah. on, Mark. Tell them all about it. Beautiful. Pillager is the complete opposite. It's huge and it's mostly flat and it's very, very dry. And it's kind of like, um, well, it's in a way, it, it's, okay. it's yeah, MT-like mm-hmm. in that. Kept referring back you know? to this is so much like filling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you get, and if you know, it's a, it's you've got to travel a long way to do anything. You've got to be completely self-sufficient. There isn't, you know, like once you're in the forest, you know, it's two hours to go get a, a glass of milk if you if you if you need if you don't need any supplies. So you've got to do everything yourself. There's no water in there. Well, there is water in there, but you don't want to drink that water. So you've got to be very much a self-sufficient operation. But then again, if you if you if you're comfortable with that, you have this fantastic time where you're yeah, just perfect. kind of by yourself. You know, and away you go. You know, and you set up your camp, and you might not see anyone. Um, you might hear cars going through the night because the forest way is is technically a road um, that connects the other side of the forest. There's a few little tiny villages along there. Um, and there's beekeepers in there. You hear their trucks moving around at night, but generally you're by yourself. And it's like they said here, have 200,000 acres to play in and away you go. Um, and that's what, that's what it's like. It's, you know, just just do what you want type thing, obviously within reason, but yeah, you just can explore and you can not look at the same ground twice, you know. And goats and pigs. Yeah, well, I'm just, I'm slowly just working my way through the state forest. And um, a lot of times I just, because I work in the mine industry, I do, I would do 11 days on, 10 days off. So it, it gives me the opportunity just to, mm. you know, just push and push and check some of these uh, areas out. So I'll definitely do Nundal. That's on, on the list. Um, I'll do Butterleaf, this one. Um, and just kind of yeah, keep checking them out. And, and for me, it's just about getting out there and kind of, I'm, I'm just I'm actually at the moment just enjoying the, the videography side as just as much as the as the hunting. So I'm trying to get that yep. that balance of still committing to the hunting, but when you spend a lot of the time trying to get the shots and things and just explore the area, it's um, unfortunately probably not as hunt, hunting. I'm not hunting as hard as I should um, because the videography side and the and the video storytelling is kind of starting to take over a little bit more. So 
but which which is fine with me. Like I've yeah, I'm, I'm happy with that as well, which I'm I'm really enjoying. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I know exactly what you mean. I was, I was thinking about it when I was when we last week up in the territory. I'm surprised how long I held the camera. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I had it literally for days. I was just I was going, where, where's the camera? Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a rifle type thing. So I just carry that camera everywhere. You'd, and you get like that, you know. You, you're thinking, no. Like, and when you're hunting with someone, you kind of don't shoot it. Yeah, yeah okay, I yeah. my hunts, hunts by myself, so I'm the <laughs> one trying to set the camera up, get the shot, and then still yeah. oh, trying to hunt. And then you know, all something over there, and all oh, another camera needs to be here. And um, but but I enjoy it. It's 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 rewarding when you come come home and yeah. and you put a bit of a video together. It tells for hopefully quite a good story of of what what I encountered, what I experienced, and. Um, but yeah, just definitely trying to get that balance right of the hunting, the video inside. I think the hunting's starting to drop away. I'm putting a bit too much time into the video, but I'm enjoying. Yeah, I've found a new, uh, newfound respect for people who can do very good self hunts and actually show the hunt itself, whilst because you know the setting, just doing that's just so mm. hard. I mean, it's hard when you're with someone else, but when you're doing it by yourself, yeah, because you're you're thinking, in your you know. head, you're trying to think through what shots you need to actually take. You know, when yeah. you get back to edit it, <laughs> but then at the same time, you're thinking, okay, what, what's going on? Where's the where's the game? And what, what you know, where's the sign? And and trying to put the two together. Yeah. So what's how do we get to how do we get to liquid antler? What, what's what's the well, what's I first behind the liquid antler? Well, I started liquid antler because I. I enjoyed my spearfishing, um, fishing, and then I kind of enjoyed my hunting. So it's just a bit of a combination at the time I came up with. Um, it was, yeah, oh, okay, two yeah. kind of passions. And I first put some videos together from that six-month bush trip all those years ago that kind of went up onto YouTube. And then I kind of moved to Canada for a while and bits and pieces, and they kind of just fell away on the wayside and then got back into, right back into the hunting and then started, you know, filming again and <clears throat> continued to start growing, growing the YouTube and, and just, you know, filming and documenting my hunts and, and kind of things I enjoy doing, like camping, hunting, a bit of forward driving, and, yeah. So the fishing is yeah. the liquid part yeah. of liquid and antler. Mm. There we go. I couldn't – I was trying to figure out – Yeah, so it's a fishing spearing side. I love the ocean and then and love the bush, and it's just a combination. And like, for some reason, just came up with liquid antler, and it's just, just rolled with that since then. Right. <clears throat> Yeah, so, so I don't do as, well? as much as I used to, but it, the hunting's taken over a bit at the moment. But um, yeah, definitely enjoy the spearfishing side of things. Um, it's pretty much just yeah, hunting underwater, and yeah, it's, it's great. Gosh. Ah, well, yeah, I, I, I spearfished a lot from, um, when I was younger, especially around the Tweed. It's certainly, uh, you know, it's a different experience mm-hmm. again. Then, then you know, line by rod, rod and reel fishing. It's you know, it's completely different. That, that immersion. I think that's mm. what it is, isn't it? You, you're not. You know exactly what's going on. You know if there's fish there, you can see them or you can't see them. So yeah. you, you, yeah. you're in, you're looking. It's no good. You're moving on. Um, you're not line fishing, just waiting for hours. So hopefully yeah. something to come through. It's you Fair definitely you're, you're immersed. You're in it, and um, it's another world down there, which is um, yeah, I love. That's yeah. Weird. Like as I said, I was just going to say with with your with your hunting side, um, you've obviously had to replace all your gear when you came over here, or do, do, have you left some in New Zealand so you've got it when you go, or do you bring everything over with you? No, I've pretty much got two sets of gear. So I've got my gear over here for the hunting kind of condi- conditions, then got my gear back in New Zealand ready to go. 
Um, so I can you know, jump between quite easily and hopefully over the next few years I'll, I'll tr definitely try and increase my trips back to New Zealand um, at least two, three times a year if I can to, to get back and catch up with family as well as a lot of hunting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what about rifles? Have you got two sets of stuff? Yeah. Rifles? Yeah. So did you mirror Did you mirror the rifles? No. Or did you end up with something different for Australian <laughs> conditions compared to New Zealand? So Sarko, my go-to over New Zealand is just the Sarko 75 and 308 um, suppressed, which I just actually recently got suppressed. Um, so in New Zealand, you legally can have suppressors, just for anyone that's mm -hmm. listening and not aware. But And then in Australia, I'm, at the moment, I'm just running a Howe 1500 and 6.5 Creedmoor. Um, with a SIG saw scope on it, and I have had a TKT3 and 306 um, as well, just in the stainless synthetic. And yeah, I'm, but I'm loving the 6.5 Creedmoor at the moment. That's what I'm predominantly shooting, you know, a lot of deer and animals with. And um, yeah, I'm really enjoying that caliber. Yeah, I've got an interesting to say about that. <laughs> wait, 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 come on, come on. <laughs> nah, nah. Yeah, that's a good choice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on guys yeah, just, look, come, it's, on, come on let it's it's scales you know the fact that he shoots a 75 kind of gives buys him a lot of yeah. credit you know he may have he might have dipped into his account when he went to creedmoor but he you know the 75 probably outweighs yeah. the creedmoor and you know so that's i i think the 75 is a fantastic yeah one. i love so, that yeah. rifle I think I think uh, you bought you bought yourself. Some <laughs> I balanced it out tonight. <laughs> no, I think you actually probably not balanced. You're probably still in. Oh, you're nice. Probably still in credit. I think the 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 quality of a seventy five. Um, yeah. yeah. And, it, and, and it's a three hundred eight as well. Ball. So there we go. And, that's pushing you up. Uh, oh, and a, the, yeah, the Creedmoor's yeah, got a. Yeah, is yeah, it a BDX yeah. combo that you've got on yeah. the, with the Sig? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you mm. go. Now, now you're talking. Now you're talking yeah. some real stuff. Uh, it's my second favorite yeah, scope. Now well, this is my favorite. I've got a new favourite. Yeah. It's been just been changed the now. The Howard 1500, though, I'm, I'm amazed what... I actually, I'm loving it, to be honest. For um, I was a little bit sceptical when I did purchase it, you know, cheap kind of... But so far, I'm, yeah, loving it. Loving it. it shoots beautifully. Um, I'm comfortable, confident with it. And, and with that SIG on top, it's, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. So that's what you've got, yeah? Yeah, that, the that factory in Japan makes mm. some good rifles, and they come out with all different brands and all sorts of things, but basically they're, they're incredibly well-made rifle out of it. You know, what, what, how are they? I think that the same place makes yeah. some of the Weatherbees. Mm. They certainly, over the time, they made Browning, they made rem, uh, stuff for Remington. You know, I mean, I think they're even... I, I might stand corrected, but I think the old CMC Mountaineer, which was an Australian rifle, was basically the same thing. All come out of that that very good factory okay. there where they make our. Yeah. <laughs> Never come on, yourself, treat yourself. You know. <laughs> <laughs> no. So um, something that's come up quite a lot recently is um, packs. Um, we've, we were pretty detailed into packs with our trip that we've just been on, and we've got a lot of mm. people um, that in and around us are heading down to Samba in the next uh, couple of weeks. Uh, a lot of newish hunters that are looking at what they pack. You know what. What longer range pack? You know, have you got a, a brand that you've favoured over time? You may have been through three or four of them. What's what's your recommended pack for those multi days and also the day the day hunts, especially okay. here? Okay, for the um for a well, this is probably a fifteen year old pack now. It's a Mac pack uh, Tori T O R R E, which is the eighty five liter, which was like a single compartment uh, canvas mm -hmm. Mac pack um, pack they did 
and it is indestructible. It is the quality, the canvas, it is, I'll put that through all conditions and it is still going strong. Um, so that's my pretty much go-to pack back in New Zealand. Um, over here in Australia, I am using the, I think it's the Tatonka 75 mm. litre bison, I believe. Um, A good pack. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's big. Yep. It is. I've also have the 55 as well. So I've got both. So, so that's for all your camera gear. What do you use for your overnighters? <laughs> yeah. That's your day pack. I, I pretty much, I run, well, if I'm just doing a day, day hunt, I'm running the Tonka 55. Otherwise, I'm running the Tonka 75 for any backpack hunts or overnighters. Um, hmm. But I can't go past that backpack. If you can get your hands on an old backpack, um, the Cascade or the, or the Tori. Um, go on. The Cascade, I think, was a 75 litre. The Tori is the 85 litre. And just a great, just bulletproof. Yeah, yeah, I've got one. I've got a twenty-year-old okay. one. I think it's a scent. It's a it's a climbing pack, basically. So it's just yeah, it's a single, single bag, single, uh, you know, quite mm-hmm. narrow pack. Yeah, I got. It's about twenty years old now. And it's a Mac pack, Mac pack. Yep. Still made. Yeah, my one back in New Zealand is um, yeah, just great. Loaded up, sort of, sort of, you know, antlers hanging off and loaded up and just just keeps on going. The frame, the the harness just all just yeah super super reliable mm. um then yeah I, re- I really rate those if you can get your hands i don't know about the newer models i don't know exactly the quality of those compared to the older ones but um yeah that'd be my that'd be yeah. my big recommendation if you can get your, if you can find one and um, in that size the 85 didn't mac pack become i wasn't saying that from a size perspective mm-hmm. 85 would be your go-to for those multi-day uh, so when we're doing those extended trips, like if I'm doing like a, over a 10 to two week trip, trip, then I'd run that plus I'd run a day pack on the outside because we, we're pretty loaded with gear and food. Um, I think we did our longest trip on the six month yeah. trip was three weeks. Um, and that was doing kind of stashes of food as we went. So we'd have food on the way back out and we were running mm. the 85 liters with like a 25 liter strapped onto the back. So it was like a, like a turtle shell pretty much <laughs> that mm. you're, you're waddling around with. It's a lot of weight. Yeah. 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 Mm. Didn't Mac become, MacPack become that one planet or something? Was that some connection between MacPack and mm. so, there's a, There was a brand out for a while called One Planet. I think it might still be out. I thought that was something to do with MacPack when it, when it sold, when they sold no, out. No, not that I'm, I'm aware of. Not so much. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. MacPack's obviously still going, but, yeah, not sure about it. If there's any other products. Yeah, yeah but I think the, yeah, it's a, yeah, the, they're, they've gone through a couple yeah. of iterations. And then um, tell us about boots. You've had an, enough experience across both countries now. What, what, what sort of boots are you running? So I was just until recently, I was running the lower um, the lower ranges. Uh, yeah, great boot. I had those for years before that. I was running, I think it was another pair of lowers. Um, and I've got a pair of lowers back in New Zealand. I actually just recently just got some cheaper Grizz Sport um, leather boots over here for um, around Queensland and New South Wales, and they were just some some cheaper cheaper options, and, and they've been great so far. But for for a quality boot, but you pay the price, then I, I really rate the lowers. Mm. Yeah, Rangers are a pretty big boot for Queensland conditions. They are, and that's why I've I've just gone for these Brisbane Sport. They're a bit of a lighter lighter boot, and um, I think I was a little bit over the top yeah. running the lowers around around the hills of um, southeast Queensland. Yeah, no. It's... Yeah, well, you weren't gonna, you weren't gonna, you weren't gonna, 
uh, find yourself in any trouble nah. with those. That's and, for sure. and those lowers, you can wear them all day, like constantly, like five, six, seven days in a row. No dramas. They're just super comfy for, for my foot anyway. Um, I, from the day one, put them on. I, I, I don't have any issues with them at all. So, which which you need on on those extended trips. With, you know, obviously with your experience, I mean, the, you know, the, the six month road trip hunting would have, you would have, you know, if it didn't work, you would have known yeah, pretty yeah. quickly. Um, and, and, and part and post that. So if big part of the, as you know, what we do is, is to help people get started. So if you were, if someone were ask you, you know, what, what, what should I look for to get started? What would be some of the the items? Obviously, other than things like rifles and stuff like that, what were some of the things you'd be you'd be advising someone to to think about purchasing as as part of a as part of a hunting kit, especially if they were hunting pub, public land, so they might not have access to a private land. They're going to hunt for me. Land. Um, well, I do a lot of hunts for myself, so I'm a solid hunter a lot of the time. So I constantly, I've always got an EPIRB in my bag. So. For me, that's just cheap insurance. Yep. I have that in my pack all the time with a basic first aid kit, um, kind of survival kit. So that is number one. If you're hunting, even if you're hunting with you know, a group or whatever, it's always good to have that old, old shit bag if you need it. You know, pull it out and you've got everything mm. you need. So definitely be prepared. Um, but apart from that, with the state forest hunting in New South Wales and then what I've encountered, the conditions are not too bad. So a reasonable pair of boots, but like I say, I'm just running a cheaper pair at the moment and, and they're doing fine. Um, a reasonably comfy pack, but unless you're getting extended overnight period of trips or things, a lot of the, a lot of the New South Wales hunting that I've done so far, because of the size of the areas I'm hunting, I'm pretty much basing myself out of, out of a ute, you know, moving to an area, day hunting it, coming back. So the New South Wales side of things, reasonable boots, reasonable bag, but I think the biggest one for me is just the safety gear, the, the survival kit or that, that EPIRB. Um, I think they're about 220 bucks and get an EPIRB, get it in mm. your pack and you just never know when you may need it. Um, I, I run my phone for my mapping, so I don't even run I used to run a GPS, I don't run a GPS anymore. I've got a compass and I have a map of the area. So even if it's a small park, I still just, I know from my time hunting in New Zealand, I always have a, a paper map, a compass and my phone. Um, a decent head, headlamp, that's probably one of my big things I do spend a fair mm. bit of money on. So I've got a pretty decent LED lens a headlamp um if you do get yourself in a sticky situation it is nice if you want to be able to walk out get that light going um and just just light up the area so a, a decent quality headlamp that's going to last i think is also a valuable bit of kit for the public um, land hunting yeah look I, I totally agree i've got a led lens myself like technical lead lenses, maybe I've got it wrong, but that's I've got one of those. And last week we could have used it because we um, we came back, we did a big walk up, and we came back. Well, it was funny. We did a bigger walk than we expected, or that Ian and I expected anyway. So we got back to the track and went, oh, okay, the car's a couple of k's away, and we started walking. And it was just on just on dusk, and we started walking, and we were walking for maybe a k, and then we went. Oh, okay. We're at the start now, so we actually had yeah. gone past our start point. So then, so then we had the okay. Now we've got the we've now we've got to walk to the car from where we know. So we were walking, and you know it was what was really interesting was was 
we were on a, a, a boundary line with a with a um, a wetlands that was over a kilometre long, and that we'd been watching yeah. monster pigs in from early that day. And there's a point where it gets Hang pretty on, close, and there was Re-emphasize a point. Emphasise the yep. word monster for me. <laughs> you didn't do oh, it enough well. justice. <laughs> so okay, so this yeah, this pig was this big. I was standing on a, a hill about a kilometre away, and I went. Oh, it's buffalo next door, and then I got the binoculars. And went, oh, it's nice. a buffalo pig. So you could clearly see this but pig with a K. Shay, with your naked eye. So it's that big. And 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 he wasn't by himself either. His, his little brothers were around him, but they were no slouches. So we're walking along, and it, and it, and it kind of like the boundary line starts to converge with the swamp, and there was this one part. There was just something in there. I'm pretty sure you could hear it. Like, you could yeah. hear the, you know that um, the noise that your foot makes when you pull yeah. it out of mud. You could hear this. Yeah, it's going on there. And we're all just standing there, just going. You know, we wanted to see them up to that point. We said, I'm not sure if I'm that keen to see one now. At, at you know, at my took my, you know, phone <laughs> torch light. Yeah, we were talking about it along along that yeah, walk. So, that, from time to time, someone had stick the um, a rifle up and see if their scope was still any use. Yeah. And it came a point where I think it was, I think it was Matt that said, well, "I can't, I can't aim at anything, but I can shoot in the general direction and scare off anything that's coming our way because there were some big creatures in that sort yeah. of Yeah, mm. yeah, it was quite amazing. Yeah, so having it, having that, uh, and you're right, having that headlamp with you all the time as part yeah. of the kit is just. You never know when you're going to be out there past dark. It's a, it's a good bit of information. Yeah, no, you've got good. it as well, hey, Ian? Yeah, it would have been good if I'd learned from that experience because the very next day off we went and I went, oh, here we go again, I forgot the torch. <laughs> and it wasn't until um, we had no. an animal on the ground and we were really busting ass to, to um, get it sorted out and in packs and on packs and around packs and then we had to march our way out of however far it was. And I was like, do you want to drink your head torch? Nah, no, I didn't either. Oh, crap, we're going to be doing this in the dark, wandering through the wilderness with crocodiles and bloody buffalo and shit everywhere. And it wasn't until I got back, I realised it was just in the top of my pack. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I didn't make that mistake again when I came out with yeah, Brian. I, I had it with me. I didn't need it, but I made sure we had it with me. Cause, and I, I, I said, I hurried him up. I said, man, we want to get out here out of dark because we had a, like a 3K walk with this buffalo. Uh, skull cap and uh, just move moved as quick as I can but yeah I made sure I, got I managed to um, get up in the Northern Territory I think well, maybe 10 years ago now we spent two weeks up there hunting and yeah I'm, I'm very jealous of you boys just having the recent trip because it's it's a um, a magical spot up there it's catching barrow shooting pigs um, oh, for yeah. a great uh, great yeah. spot we tried for barrow we, we weren't lucky on them but yeah. um, we got pigs we got buff we got donkeys so we can't complain oh yeah We've definitely got, uh, Slippery mm. cod and um, sleepy cod. Yeah. Sleepy cod was it? Not slippery. Yeah. Sleepy cod. Sleepy cod. Um, what are the other things that? Um, it was tasty. Cherubin. It was tasty yeah. cod. Is what it was. Oh, it was tasty mm. cod. That's for sure. But um, no, that's good. Oh, I had a um, forgotten now. Sorry, somebody else. I forgot my question. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Yeah. So. We did. We we didn't do. We didn't. We didn't get a barra, but then again, yeah. we probably didn't try. No, we tried. Barra time was shooting um, time. We were preoccupied. Yeah, mm. that's right. So yeah, 
That's right. Though we did, remarkably, we found yeah. one in basically nothing much more than a puddle. And so on, you know, on, on, on something up here in the Brisbane Valley, we kind of go, oh, that's yeah. just something the cows water in. Just on the side of it, it was this Big barra as well. Barra, and it was at least a 600, you know, 600 mil plus barra just there in, there in the dirt. And he went, how the hell did that come well, out with, of that with the wet, they, You know, they get a big wet through there and it pumps the water through yeah, and they, yeah. they make their way and the next thing it drops and they're like, oh, shit, yeah. I can't know where to go. Yeah. And, yeah. and I'm, yeah. I'm sure pretty well, sure that's what happened. I mean, we were standing and no, looking it, at it, the trees and the, the debris in the trees was above Ian's head. It was crazy. Yeah. It was, and that was above yeah. the creek line. Yeah. So, yeah, it's the amount of water that comes through there in the, in the wet season. It's just yeah, crazy. So we found the barra and um, we... we there was a cup. John, I saw the we saw a salty. salty. Yep. We saw lots of freshwater crocs, but he saw a salty. So yeah, so they were about two, and we were camped at a very this lovely place called um, Goose Lagoon. Water views, um, water views from the that was oh. water views, very shady, lovely, you know, overhanging trees, all that stuff, and the general advice is look at it, but don't go anywhere yeah. near it, type thing. And, Came back, came back off the water line. Except so, yeah, Ian, Ian set up his tent it was, it was, next to the water. <laughs> that's right. And then... And, and then, then got told, you might want to Matt that. One. Yeah. Matt, well, Matt didn't tell him, but Matt just told him the story about, you know, once when he was in the situation and what happened. So, People yeah, okay. The tent. That's fair enough. I see the lesson in that. I see the yeah, lesson yeah, in yeah. that. Let's yeah. move it. So, I, yeah. I, I can learn. Um, listening to all of the different animals that you've hunted, <laughs> New Zealand and... Australia, you must be getting somewhere close to a slam. No, is there a is there a, is there a plan there? No, no, no real interest in that. I've definitely hunted um, a fair few species. Um, I've taken, yeah, represent well, I've taken animals out of a lot of the species, but not something I'm chasing or after or that no. interested in. To be honest, um, I love my, my probably the big thing for me is just getting out and exploring new areas um, more than the actual you know, chasing a certain species of deer. It's more, I like to see an area that I want to try and explore and hunt, you know, include the hunt in that aspect of it. But yeah, there's no, no, no aspect on, on the actual big slam. No, no, Is there a dream not. species? Dream species you'd really like to get? It'd probably be, well, if I, if I could have a choice, 50 inch woppity down in, uh, down in Fiordland. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. That's, that's you know what you want and you know where it is. Yeah. Well, that's an achievable goal. Yeah, just keep putting the ballot in every year and, that, and have an opportunity, and that'd probably be, hard, be my dream. Bit of hard when you, hard when you draw a ballot and give it away, though. Well, at least the board. Hopefully, the borders now won't play any any silly buggers, and we can get back there. Yeah, yeah. You need a you'll need a decent wall space. Yeah, I know. That's um, that ballot's opening pretty soon, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think they finish up by the end of October. It closes and it gets drawn. Uh, early, early next. Oh, actually, it gets drawn this year as well. So yeah, it won't be too far off. Ian, we need to get a application. Yeah, we've got to get on the running machine. <laughs> big, con- big country. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm going to say to me, if you want to, if you want to train for uh, Fiordland, um, turn your shower on, try and set your tent up in it, and then climb the wall. <laughs> <laughs> if you can manage that, you'll be right. <laughs> it sounds pretty accurate. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Yeah. So one thing uh, you haven't talked spoke about when you're in New Zealand and um, is is hunting pigs. Now I'm I'm always oh, quite intrigued about it. It seems to be that there's a there's a kind of class distinction in New Zealand when it comes to um, pigs. So 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they're hunting yeah, with so dogs. Hunting you don't with dogs. Them mates got all mates over there got dogs, and and they're hunting every weekend with them. Um, for me, yeah, I've, I've you know stuck pigs and and done a fair bit of pig hunting. I've also shot pigs just with the rifle while out deer stalking. Um, but unfortunately, yeah, deer is where where my big interest is. But you know, definitely not going to turn <laughs> down a pig if I, if I come across it. Um, but yeah, deer, deer is definitely the one that I, that I enjoy. <laughs> cool. <laughs> well, if, if we, we spotted some pigs, and if Ian had gone for those pigs, we wouldn't have got a buff, would we have Ian? So, no. No. very true. I and I, I passed up on a, a pig for John I, but no, it just didn't, didn't happen. happen. No, and I still wish I shot that. <laughs> you should have. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. Pigs are uh, just getting the right in the way at the wrong time sometimes, but that's all right. People are allowed to love them. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's a different it's a different thing that, uh, I, I mean, you've been around it and you've done a lot, a lot more than I had, but it wasn't so much of an issue eating the pork over there. They weren't really surviving on carrion. They were they were eating roots and grubs and bits and pieces in the ground. Yeah, definitely. Over, yeah. over New Zealand, pigs, pigs, are, pigs are good to go. And, um, yeah, you don't turn down a wild pig. If you shoot it over there, it's definitely coming home and, and it's going to mm. be uh, cooked up and they're pretty good. Yeah, yeah. After those, after those pigs in the territory, yeah, yeah, they've got to be a bit careful. <laughs> oh, Mrs. Mrs. Hogzilla, yeah, she's good for some bacon, I reckon. But... Oh. oh, she should be probably eating her own kids. That thing, monster. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was there was a reason why you couldn't find the board. Yeah. Yeah. The Black Widow spot. Mm. Yeah. Man, that pig had girth. That was like, yeah. That's a, there's a Weight Watchers <laughs> pig if I read someone. Yeah. All right, so Wapit is Wapit is your, yes. uh, your your uh, your dream your dream hunt. You've got no other aspirations to head further afield. Are you a, are you an Africa or an Alaska guy? Usually people are in one camp and other than the other? No, to be honest, I worked up in Canada, up in the Yukon for two years, um, and I had no real inkling to hunt up there. Surprisingly, like you know, you see grizzlies, black bear, caribou. Uh, moose kind of on because I'm a geologist by trade so I was out exploring um, up in the Yukon or helicopter based um, kind of work and for some reason no, I just never I don't know just didn't tickle my fancy and there's no real aspirations for that in Africa um, for me personally the same thing I, potentially maybe more Africa over over Alaska or Canada but um, I'm quite happy with New Zealand, to be honest, <laughs> or in Australia, I, I, I'm definitely yeah, cool. keen to get down to Victoria, chase the Sambo around, um, and there's still plenty of places in New Zealand I want to want to explore down the Southern Alps and um, shoot a big red, shoot a whopper, or shoot a seeker. I'm, I'm more than happy to spend my time and money and and kind of interest in that than probably than pushing further afield. Um, saying that, I wouldn't want another trip up to Northern Territory. I wasn't successful in shooting a buff um, all those years ago, and that's probably probably higher on my list. Um, then, 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 you know, say over in Alaska or, or Africa, um, but yeah, still plenty of country back in New Zealand to, to mm. cover. Mm. Yeah, it's funny that that kind of you know what camp or if no camp. I'm I'm kind of a no camp kind of. I, I think there's I've got lots. I've got a lot more mm-hmm. lots more to do here. Um, but I mean, certainly, you know, that's something because I mean, this time of year, you, you, a lot of people are either heading to Africa or they've just come back. So it's that, you know, it's, I suppose it's the season for that. Um, so yeah, it, it's interesting that, you know, the way you, you, you process that thing. Do you want to chase them 
Or do you want to chase and, more? And for me, like, just home? thinking about that now, I could, like, for me, what I'd love to do is jump on the plane down to Melbourne and spend 10 days chasing Samba in the Vic High Country. Like, that, to me, with a backpack mm. by myself or with a mate, is a lot more appealing to me personally than jumping on a flight, be guided over wherever, um, paying pretty big money to do it. And mm. for me personally, it's just it's not my thing. I'd rather um, be on public land, push myself in a, in a, in a backpack hunt. That, that's that's for, for me personally. Good on you. Yeah. 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 I think agree. I've come to appreciate the opportunities that the Pacific's got, mm-hmm. you know, and that's not just not just Australia and New Zealand, but there's some other opportunities around us. Um, Australia's just got so much to offer. Uh, it's interesting, We, you know, we, we look to back to New Zealand for, you know, the great free-range deer and the opportunities down there to be able to hunt public land. And, you know, the old Kiwis have got the eyes on this side of the ditch just as much with, you know, what we've been talking about with, you know, donkeys and buffalo and, you know, some of the large game stuff that they have access to over there. So... You know, between the two countries, it's, it's a pretty special opportunity, I think. Oh, yeah, we're, we're super lucky. And with the amount of public hunting in both countries, you know, there's there's more than enough for me to, to kind of explore and kind of, you know, yeah, to enjoy. So I'll just keep keep ticking off areas and, and, and checking out new, new spots. Mm. Yeah, look, I, I think, again, I totally agree. You know, you could... You you ran up the you know the, the the coastline of New Zealand. You could you could do the same here. You could run down Queensland in New South Wales into Victoria, and you, you'd spend a lot of time. You could spend a lot of time you know hunting animals and and seeing new country and and challenging yourself all the way through. We did a ten day road trip hunt in New South Wales back in two thousand eighteen. You know, and we could have we could have kept going. We ran out of time. You know, but there was the, yeah. We, hardly touched anything you know we, we and we had lots of success but you know there was so much more we could have done i didn't even get close to the vic board you know no 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 real lower than tamworth so i didn't get any close to the vic to eight hours away from the thick border so you know and exactly you no, definitely it's, um, i did live down in melbourne for a while and i did hunt the vic high country a little bit but i didn't wasn't hunting as hard as i am and now and I'm, yeah i'm definitely feeling that itch to get back down there and and have another chase of the samba. Yep, and then there's of course the bird life. Um, one of the good things that we through our la- last trip up there to territory was an offer to come up oh, yeah. and yep. shoot magpie geese. So you know, shoot those. We saw plenty yep. of them. Mm. They're big birds. <laughs> so and they've they've got a very good season up there. So I think it's an all steel shot season. So you know, it, it's well regulated and. The bags are pretty tight, but it's also very, very enjoyable. And talking from the guys, to get onto geese is not hard at all. You know, it's not a. I think he was saying it's you know fifteen twenty minutes from his from his home there in Darwin, so you could literally go up for a weekend and 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 shoot magpie geese. And yeah, well, the guys through. are saying they do it before work. They do a morning hunt, go to work, yep, um, and then finish work, go for a hunt, and then go home and have dinner with the family. So it's so so accessible. Yeah. No, so it's monster man, by the way. <laughs> Piece of cake. Yeah. Easy. Piece of cake. Well, we know that, and from the tip that we learnt from travelling to Northern Territory, um, is that tell them you have firearms. You're a security risk. <laughs> okay, go on, keep it moving. Keep it moving. <laughs> <laughs> keep it moving. 
<laughs> get him out there. Come on, move him through. So, check him, check out. That's get it. served That's by it. someone who doesn't know what they're doing and they let you wander around aimlessly with firearms. It's great. Mm. Yeah, we know <laughs> that too as well. But either way, it was, it was move quickly. And I've got to ask, I've got to ask how was the, so uh, was the new Beretta? Oh, dude. I don't want to get too much into it yet, but um, I, the Beretta itself was great. It, it, it did everything it needed to do. I never had a jam. I never had an issue. It's full of dust and shit and crap from not really being treated, you know, as as well as it could have been. Not that I've, I've mistreated it, yeah. but, you know, got back to camp and it leaned up against a tree. It didn't go back in the box. Um, you know, it didn't get a cover put on it. Um, it spent a bit of time on my pack getting donked around my branches and bits and pieces as we were walking through things. But um, when it needed to operate, it operated quickly and it was efficient and it was accurate. Um, I think the thing that made the, the BRX package um, perfect was the aim point. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, we put the, the, the H2 aim point on top of it. Um, so it wasn't just a fast action, it was fast acquiring and yeah. it just made everything so much quicker. Um, yeah, there's a couple of bits of video of, of um, rounds being let loose. Yeah, nice. Um, and it was just, it was a pleasure to use. It really was. Oh, and then with that sock ammunition as well, that was, it was just an ultimate oh, package. It was brilliant. Just a, it just, was, yeah, it, dropped, it dropped everything. Yeah. So anything you could throw at it. Nice. And the really, really exciting thing is I was talking today is the 9.3. Yeah, because yeah. it's interchangeable nice. barrels. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, so yeah, 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 9.3. 9.3. 9.3. 9.3. 9.3. 9.3. 9.3. 9.3. 9.3. 9.3. 9.3. 9.3. 9.3. 9.3. 9.3. 9.3. 9.3. 9.3. 9.3. 
extra bags of this. You had a loader though. Yeah. I had a loader when I when we were chasing the pup. No loader. Yeah, so a spare magazine would, would be a really good idea. Yeah. Mm. yeah, because that's what happened to me. I, I shot two buff and I had a an eighty five, and I, in the end I was single loading it. I was shooting this buff, you know, Zulu Dawn style, you know. Yeah, out of the pocket. So yeah, having having a second mag would be would be very very handy. That was good. But yeah, I'm really keen to see it to come out in the 9.3 and with the low power scope on. I think it'd be a, a rip of a oh, beautiful buff. Mm. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. So and, we, and the 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 package I was running was an 85 with a, a Ranger one to six on it, and that was that beautiful low power. You know, the, the old the typical or well, the traditional dangerous game scope. Layout so, yes, smallest tube but big eyepiece, and you know, yep. this picture it's like looking through mm. a camera, bang, there it is, bang. It was the perfect, perfect, so something like that. On something like that on the new BRX in 9.3 would be pretty diabolical, mm. you know, you could just travel, shoot whatever you want with it, type thing in mm. this country. So yeah, I'm looking. At the, um, I'm really looking forward to seeing what the BRX in 9.3 looks like when it comes out. Same. <laughs> Same. Same. Yeah. I think I think we might be we might be um, uh, uh, requesting a couple of test rifles. Most definitely. Yeah. Um, all yeah. right. So we've got some other questions for you that we ask everybody. I'm, I'm sure you've rehearsed these ones already. Go for it. <laughs> yeah. Go for it. Where do we start? We start with. Uh, Dollar coffee on your road trips. Will you stop and drink a dollar coffee from the servo on a road trip hunting? Uh, no, I take my own coffee and cook my and brew my own. Ah, what sort? Uh, I run the dog and gun, just the pre-trip filters, pull up, get the guests, little cook going, boom, and off I go. Right, no dollar coffee. No dollar coffee. Two in the in the cool kitchen. Nah. Mm. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's a good pull up. Back. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Yeah, so that was probably a rather decent brew than, than I don't know, the dollar coffee, you know, you can, you can have it. Yeah, agreed. Good on you. So the one that is often, you know, an area of contention is that if, when you ask for a ham and cheese, do you expect tomato or do you I expect, expect just ham and cheese? cheese? Yeah, <laughs> there we go. Thank you very much. <laughs> right, Pam, well, for me... I'm the one. Um, when you're heading in, when you're heading into the hunting grounds or into camp, what song's playing? No song. I've got the window down. I'm just taking it all in. All right. Just before you get to your hunting grounds and yeah. you're cruising along, yeah. mind your own business. What song's playing? Um, what have I got going? I've probably got a bit of. I'm trying to think. Pick up your Spotify account. That's uh, yeah. <laughs> you haven't finished listening to it. <laughs> Probably a bit of uh, dance, a bit of electronic, a bit of Rufus, a bit of, um, yeah, just, oh. just beats for me. It's, it's the one oh, for me. Okay. Mm. Do you turn it down when you see oh, a right deer? No. I do that. I, I notice that when I'm driving along and I've got sounds and I go, oh, there's animal. I, I, I kind of, I don't go, I'll get binoculars. I go, 
radio. <laughs> it's like my, my somehow it's going to increase increase vision <laughs> with you know decrease noise, increase vision. I'm to, sure. um, you know, you, you finally get to your destination and you're looking for the final road sign. The volume gets turned down. Apparently, it helps. How do you think? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have any uh, any uh, cracker books that you would recommend? Cracker books. Oh, what have I read recently? Um, no, to, to be honest, I don't. I haven't. Um, the last book I mullet. the last book I read was um, Edward Rutherford, historical fiction about China, China across the the ages, which I, I quite enjoy. Uh, Edward yeah. Rutherford. Um, that was the last book I book I read. Um, so that's not the year no, of rice and salt, was it? So it's kind of this okay. one deals with just the opium trade and the British with China and um, oh okay yeah I like, I like my historical historical fictions. Oh, interesting okay. story thing about talking about the opium trade. I was on a trip over in Asia once, and we picked up this old relic at um, I don't know some market, paid some money for it, got it home, and realised once we got it home, what we'd smuggled back was opium scales. <laughs> And it was a oh. it's a timber box. You open it up, and this little scale stands up. You know, little little weight scales, and it's got little brass elephants, which are the different ounce weights. Oh yeah. And, they were, and we realised they were oh, okay. scales. I don't know how the hell we managed to get that through customs. We've given it back to the authorities now, so it's in the right place. Mm. Yeah. Um, any other questions? Don't worry, I'm not for me. Um, can you remind me again who the bad haircut is for? The so Black, Black Dog Institute. It is so the Black Dog Institute. It's mullets, mullets for mental health. You want another look at it? There we go. <laughs> mullets for mental health. So, so yeah. in support of mullets for mental health, so that, that's... I'd like to propose yeah. that we run a reverse style auction, and that we will put together a prize pack of sorts. Of a measurable value because I don't know what it's worth yet. And whoever watches the episode and jumps in the comments and sends us a private message, I should say, send us a private message with how much you would like to donate to the cause, and the highest donation gets the prize pack. Does that sound like a worthy That's thing to good. do? Oh, mate, it sounds yes. great. There'll be there'll mm-hmm. be hats, there'll be shirts, there'll be stubby coolers, there'll be. Blaze, but yeah, there'll merch. be boxes of merch here that we're lucky enough to have that we'll put something of uh, reasonable value together. No, that's, that's amazing. That's yeah, they, they, do, they do a great thing with the old research with the mental health, and it's pretty, I'm pretty passionate with that at the moment. And mm. um, I think it's just, yeah, super important that we kind of get the conversation going, have a you know, get a chat, get it out there. And um, mm. for any blokes in that or anyone listening out there that is struggling. Make sure you do reach out. It is um, super important. Definitely. I uh, lost a couple of mates last yeah. year to suicide, and it is tough. So, yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah, right. So, is this so uh, mullets for mental health? I'm assuming is a campaign. You, this, this is not now like your new lifestyle <laughs> no. with that haircut. So, it's like Movember um, type thing. Yeah, there'll Correct. be a bit of a. T- yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's a timing issue. So, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, we, we when we did the reverse auction, we'll just donate at that time rather than try yep. and time it in with the, the particular mm. campaign. So you can grow your <laughs> hair back. 
what I'm saying is, well, you can grow your hair back <laughs> when we do the, the reverse option. You, you don't have to stay like that. I'll, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be running, this, running this for September the and then I'll, um, I'll probably all go and I'll start again. <laughs> Yeah. That's, okay. that's right, mate. Yeah, that's right. We we won't make you keep it. Um, Mark's trying to say he'd like to yeah. join you in the mullet <laughs> uh, race. And, um, no. Uh, no. No, Mark is not saying that. We'll, we'll double the price would, if Mark If Mark it. wanted to, Mark, Mark would say that if that's what he wanted to do. And um, I grew up when mullets were actually a hairstyle. Uh, well, they are awesome. becoming fashionable again, so. They're coming back. But, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's full September and, um, and then I'll get rid of it, but. Yeah, great cause and get around it and yeah, yeah, it's good. That's awesome. Good on you, mate. Mm, fantastic. Any final comments? Okay, gents. I think we're we're, we're moving towards a, a, a yeah. Closure. So, Liquid Antler. What are the social handles that people can? How can people find you? Yeah, just Liquid Antler on YouTube, Instagram, Instagram and Facebook. Um, I'm trying to do pretty regular videos for anyone that's interested in the hunting, camping kind of lifestyle. Trying to make it. Probably, you know, people starting out to more experienced, and if you, you know, just yeah, check it out, and hope you enjoy. I'm continuing to hopefully improve my videos, and and um, hopefully something in there that that interests you. Mm. Yeah, and from my point, uh, from my um point of view, check out the the video about the sticks state prices. That's a good one. That's a it's got some great. Mm, thank you. In that one. Awesome. Right. Well, just to, to just to recap on the on the giveaway, there'll be a. The reverse auction, a bunch of merch will go into it. Um, PM us with your bid. Highest bid wins the prize, and we'll get it out to you, and it'll be of reasonable value based on the bid number. Um, mm-hmm. And that's a great cause, so good on you, mate, for doing that. Um, hey, legend. Hey, really, so, really appreciate that, appreciate that, guys, and um, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. We'll call it a night. No problem. Thanks, fellas. Thank well, you. Man. Thanks, gents. All right, thanks again for your time, and good to catch up again.